Hello and welcome to Cannon and Cockrell. My name is Michael and I'm a Spurs fan. And I'm Jason and I'm an Arsenal fan. And um, in in quite a rare turn of events for us, we're probably both going to be feeling quite positive today because both (laughs) Arsenal and Spurs are through to the last 16 of the Europa League and are coming off the back of quite impressive wins over the weekend as well. A 3-1 win away at Leicester for Arsenal, a 4-0 win uh, over Burnley at home for Tottenham. Uh, Jason, how are you feeling about Arsenal at the moment and your kind of prospects as we move towards the business end of the season? Mm, really interesting because I, I went back on, on, onto iTunes and I thought, when's the last time we spoke? And there's been a lot of games since we spoke. I think it's just been coming thick and fast, kind of bi-weekly games. Um, and I said during that podcast, if we lose, if we lost all those games, Arteta would be out of a job. And we haven't. You know, we've we've won three, drawn one, lost one. The City one was to be expected. That's fine. The Leeds win was a pretty good win, considering how bad we've been over the season, how good they've been showing up. Um, it was almost a bit of a deja vu, going, you know, for something up and, and, and then conceding. Um, the Benfica games were interesting because everyone was saying we were strong favourites. And I thought, Knowing and watching us the way I do, I just thought we're not favourites. You know, they could easily over two legs do us. Um, and, you know, they certainly almost almost gave us a scare. And, and a Bamiyang to the rescue. I didn't think I'd say that ever again. But um, whether or not it's him or the younger players like Saka really stepping up and producing something when it mattered in the last minutes, that's where I see the rhetoric a bit. And uh, just thank God we're through. And uh, and it's... it's uh, it's kind of the only thing we're playing for because I know the league is opening up in terms of that top four, maybe even second to to eighth, you know, and, and that win against Leicester was unbelievable. Not so much the performance. I mean, it was good. They, they didn't look particularly at the races, but just in terms of the statement to be like, OK, Arsenal have got, got something in them. Arteta's getting scalps again against the big teams and, and we're not far off a lot of the big boys whether you call, you know, Liverpool, West Ham, Everton, Spurs. Wouldn't call Spurs a big boy, really. Um, <laughs> so we're there and thereabouts. And I'm not saying we're going to get top four, because in my eyes, there's no chance. It's Europa or bust. And, but, you know, you've got to try. We've got enough of a team to play to, you know, I think beat Burnley away. But then you're going to start thinking, well, we need to win the Europa League. <laughs> at all costs, really, to save Arteta's job. And, or at least, you know, it, it's starting to get into a bit of Emery territory where it was, yeah, pretty much no chance at top four. Might have a late chance of sneaking up, but based on form, need to, you know, getting a relatively easy run in the Europa League or easier than a lot of clubs. And I'd expect us to beat Olympiacos this year over two legs. We're more settled. We know what our best 11 is more. Um, but then again, you've got that Spurs game in the middle of them, which is the biggest game of the season because of bragging rights. And and we want to do them. We want to get Jose sacked. And, and you know, then you have that West Ham-Liverpool. I mean, it's a tough fixtures. And I think the way I said before Arteta will be sacked after the five games before this, this really is crunch time. We lose all those games. That man is not surviving past Christmas this year. And I say that because I think they'll give him a pre-season in the summer to, to see what's up. Um, so yeah, in, in terms of how it's gone, pretty happy, pretty satisfied. 
don't think it tells us too much about the overall scheme of things. But going forward, I think these next few weeks are, uh, as you said, the business end of the season. And I guess to to throw it back to you, it seems like a. I feel like Arsenal and Spurs are very much in the same band now. Probably more pressure on Spurs to win a trophy. Um, I don't know if you agree with that, but it, but it's been a bit of a mixed bag of results since we last spoke. And, you know, it seems like a bit like us, based on one result against a, a not very good Burnley team and, and everyone's excited about Bale is back and, you know, everyone's firing and, and la-di-da-di-da. Please yeah, comment. I think I think we definitely uh, I think we definitely are in uh, similar situations. I think before the Burnley game, we were very much of the opinion it was it was Europa League or bust. Top four looked like it was gone, and Jose's job, uh, like you said, with Arteta's job, was resting on winning the Europa League and that being our only route back into the the Champions League next season. But then, when you beat Burnley, okay, you can say it, it was a poor Burnley side, but I think it was more the, the manner of the win. Uh, with Bale looking like he he was back, not necessarily to his best, but but showing more than than perhaps we thought he was still capable of. And you look at the table and and, and the fixtures and the fact that we're now we're six points off fourth, I think, with a game in hand and a better goal difference. And you think, well, actually, it, you know, we shouldn't just completely give up on the league because it, it is still there for the taking. We've already played, uh, I think, Chelsea, City, and Liverpool twice, so. Arguably that, you know, we've um, we've still got United to play. I think we've got Everton to play again, Villa to play again, Leicester to play again. Obviously, the Arsenal games. mentioned tough games. But but if you win those games, I mean, we're not going to win all of those games because we're not good enough to. Um, but it's, it's it's more in our hands to, to finish in the top four than I thought it was. I thought top four was, was gone, but it, it shows how much can change from one game particularly when the table is is as tight as it is at the moment I mean between second and eighth anyway like you said obviously we know City are, are running away with the league now but the top four race is wide open and I think actually what you said about the the North London derby being kind of sandwiched between those two Europa League games is quite significant because it'll be interesting to see how the teams that are still in Europe uh, handle the, the going between the two you know we're we're both in the Europa League Chelsea and, and Liverpool are both in the uh, the Champions League. Does that open the door for the likes of Everton or, or Villa or, or Leicester or, or West Ham to actually either for Leicester and West Ham hang on in there or for Everton and Villa to actually be the teams that can capitalise if they fall out? I mean, it looks like the Leicester collapse has begun, just like they collapsed last season when they had a bunch of injuries. I think West Ham, their fixtures are about to get a lot more difficult. They gave City a bit of a scare, but you think they might slide down the table a little bit. Um, maybe Chelsea and Liverpool are the ones best place to capitalise on that, but but maybe not. So I think, yeah, whereas before I was very much of the opinion it's all on the Europa League. Now I'm thinking actually we, we do need to still take the league seriously as well because mm. I'm not sure, and I'd be interested to see from an Arsenal perspective, which one is actually the easiest route. I mean, with the Europa League, a lot of it is the luck of the draw. There's still... A, a lot of good teams left in there. I, I'd be interested to hear from your perspective who you think kind of the biggest threat is to Arsenal in terms of of winning it. And but in the Premier League, it's I don't know. I think only results will tell. I mean, we're, we're recording this before the, the Fulham game on Thursday night. Obviously, if we draw or lose there, 
then I'll be I'll go back to thinking, okay, it's all on the Europa League again. I think it, it's very much on a knife edge in terms of where our priorities should lie and for Jose's job as well. And I think the two are kind of interlinked, similarly to what you were saying with Ateta and Arsenal. But it's definitely nice to see Gareth Bale putting on a show again. And that's one thing I'll mm. say, whatever happens, you know, you'd, you obviously had a lot, of, uh, a lot of things to say about that transfer from the beginning. <laughs> and I was starting to come around to your way of thinking. I was starting to lose faith in him. And you can say it was only Burnley, but, but let's be honest, I mean, Bale was only really playing against lower caliber opposition at the start of the season and wasn't looking anywhere near as kind of sharp and confident as he was against Burnley and also against Wolfsburger and, and the West Ham game, even though we lost, he came on and changed the game and, and was unlucky not to, to score an equalizer for us. Mm. And we're starting to see those kind of classic Gareth Bale moves kind of cutting in on his left foot and, and smashing it in the kind of knocking the ball past the player running past them, you know, just like he did against Mike on in, in the champions league. Taxi kind of, for exactly, yeah. Except it was, it was taxi for Charlie Taylor, I think, against Burnley. It was not quite as impressive, but not quite as a uh, yeah, not quite as big deal. But he's you know he's he's playing the old hits again, and it, and if we've got Bale kind of fit and firing, that could be the the spark we need and that extra bit of energy in life, or even a, a rejuvenated Deli Ali as well with that overhead kick against Wolfsburger. If, if we've got those players back into the team playing well and and, and confident that could be the difference for us between making that push for the top four or not, or, or winning a trophy or, or not. So even though my head is, is saying not to get too carried away, my heart is now daydreaming of, of Gareth Bale spacking in the winner at Wembley in a month's time and, Why and not? back into the Champions League. I mean, you know, mm. it gives you hope when you see performances like that, but, but I don't know, yeah, whether from the Arsenal point of view, what you think about uh, kind of where your priority should lie, where Tottenham's priority should lie, and, and, and wh- whether you think we're each other's biggest obstacle to winning the Europa League should we get past uh, the last 16, which, you know, isn't necessarily a given. Yeah, well, I must say in terms of Gareth Bale, like you were saying, he's been fantastic. I've been putting a bit of eye test on him. And even though I've been kind of putting out the banter, the bantasaurus, it's been, uh, I've enjoyed watching him again. He, he just looks like if if he was a few, if he was five years younger, you'd think, wow, like we could get something out of him here. I just don't know whether it's a bit of flash to the pan, and and we'll get onto it later. But it's a bit like uh, Willian's rise in form, although I can tell you Bale has already been better than Willian, and that's saying a lot. Um, so yeah, interesting. You meant you said before it made me think about what our best route is in terms of Europa League, but in the league. And I brought the league top table up again, and if we just look at fourth place, we're on the same games as West Ham. We're eight points off. So forget what everyone else does. That's not a lot at this stage. We've seen it. Things can change. I don't think we're good enough. I don't think Villa will be good enough in terms of experience. I don't Everton could be. Your money would be maybe Chelsea are a bit erratic. West Ham don't know how to get there. Leicester are bottling it. You think Liverpool and Tottenham are probably the best place. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's a chance, but there is a chance. There's a mathematical chance. When there's a mathematical chance... The Wengerites love it, love a good um, a good uh, prey and, and, and kind of hope in that sense. And, and interestingly, with the Europa League, asking whether Spurs are the biggest obstacle. I mean, again, I'm looking at that. You've got Ajax, who you think are, are big dogs. Were they? Do you know if they were in the Champions League this year? They must have fallen down. Um, 
Uh, do you know what? I can't remember. Mm, I probably thought fell down because they're they're pretty good. I'd, I'd say in, in Holland still. Um, Villarreal, just because of the Emery factor, you know he'd want to stick it to us. Uh, Roma and Shakhtar are kind of that same par. I think I think we could take any of them. Tottenham as well. Top, so it's Tottenham and Man United and Ajax. Just because the English factor, I think they're better than us on paper. Big games, Milan. So at least one of them are knocked out. And to be honest, Prague, Rangers, Granada, Mold. I don't, I don't really. I'm not scared of any of them. So yeah, it's definitely those four: Ajax, Tottenham, United, and Milan. And at least one of them will be gone. Um, so I fancy our chances. I fancy us to get to a semi-final if everything goes well. To win it, you just never know, do you? I mean, I, I'd be. I'm kind of in that position now where I've kind of lost a lot of hope where I'm just like, as long as Spurs don't do anything, I'll be okay. And it's a very sad position to be in. Um, but you've just got to got to go be clever about this. You know, you've got, if you've got that Spurs game in the middle, you're not going to rest for that Spurs game. You've got that away tie in Olympiacos and you're going to want to get that away goal. So you're going to have to go for it. Um, there's no reason why they can't play those three games in a row. Rest them for Burnley again. Rest them for West Ham the game after. These guys need to all be fit for those third games. But it kind of brings me to another point about how, you know, you've got this kind of, I call them the frustrators, this groups, the Shackers, the Pepes, the Williams, Louise, Al Bamiang's been in there this year. And they've all started upping their game in, in, in certain ways. I mean, Pepe, I'm not sure if I would go as far as a lot of the other bloggers. They're saying that he was unplayable against Leicester. But he's certainly putting the skills on, contributing, looking like he wants to be there and prove something. Um, and, it, and it's all coincided with the good results. So you've got this strength and depth. And Cedric's looking better than Bellerin now. And is contributing. And probably will be first choice at the moment. Um, until it sounds like we might be getting Lamptey of the summer. If the great Fabrizio Romano has anything to say about it. Um, and then you've got this, the, the exciting youth, which I think is the default. I'm going to put Tierney in because I love Tierney and he can count as youth in this sense. You know, Smith Rowe, albeit the injury, Saka, Odegaard. So there's, there's two kind of teams. There's my default kind of hybrid, exciting youth team, a couple of experienced players in there. And then the kind of frustrators, the dross, who seem to be performing. So you can, I think you can, I'd say you want a bit of a 70-30 split rather than a 50-50 in, fa- in favour of the young, exciting talent. Um, we as Arsenal fans were thinking the season was over, we're not going to do anything, so just get out of the youth, blood Balogun and, and you know, anyone holding chambers, just, just shove them in, see what happens, and then we'll rebuild in the summer. But now that there's kind of hope, you do want those experienced players in there. If I'm right, I think um, William was at Chelsea when they won the Europa League. So you want, and David Luiz obviously is very experienced in, in that matter. So you want those players in and around when when push comes to shove. Um, so it's uh, it's all to play for. Listen, we're not in the FA Cup, League Cup final. We don't need to worry about. So there's only these two streams, and and uh, and in Arteta we trust, I suppose, <laughs> in, in terms of. Uh, Rotation. I mean, uh, you know, I, I have to put all my trust in the next month, I suppose, because if it, if it doesn't happen, then uh, then I don't. I probably won't have to worry about him too much. And 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 knowing that Thierry Henry's come home to London, uh, 
there might be someone awaiting the wings. But yeah, I'll just throw that back at you because, you know, Spurs need a trophy. You've got that League Cup final, ready and raring. Who knows? Coin toss. Could see you winning that now. Um, Europa League and League, same kind of position as us. So, 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 so where does your head go? Because it is a bit more of a dilemma for Jose because I, I would argue that in terms of quality, you don't have as good as a squad depth as us. As in, like, I think your first 11 is better. I think your second 11 mm, leaves a, bit, a, lot, a lot to be desired. Um, well, it's interesting. I, I think there's probably quite a few Spurs players who I would uh, group as the frustrators as well. I think we've got quite a few frustrators in there. Although it's funny because I feel like at the start of the season, we we thought we had such strength and depth now after the business we did over the summer. But I think a lot of the the fringe players and rotation players have, have disappointed when they have played. And I don't know whether that's just how Jose's used them or, or just them not being as good as, as the first team players. But I think definitely for Mourinho, I think he'd be perf- perfectly happy finishing ninth if, if we won the Europa League. I think he knows that he will be judged on trophies. I think with Pochettino, the, the trophy thing was a stick that people used to beat him with by the end. But people still thought he did a good job when you take into account everything, the, the lack of signings, the no home stadium for a year, where we were when he came compared to where we were when he left, getting us to our first Champions League final, the great league form, all the rest of it. Whereas Mourinho is clearly someone who's been brought in to win trophies. So if he doesn't win trophies, he's been a failure. And the fact of the matter is, in the league, we have gone backwards since he came in. Whether or not you blame him for that entirely, you know, people might disagree on that. But uh, even if we manage to scrape top four at the end of the season, it won't be as convincing as, as our top four finishes a few seasons ago. So I think definitely he, he's got a lot invested in winning a trophy. And the League Cup final, obviously at the moment, if that was played today, you'd, you'd back City the, the run there on. But by the end of April, who knows where their priorities might lie with the Champions League. Um, and similarly to what you were saying with William and, and David Luiz and their trophy winning experience, you know, Gareth Bale, who's played in and, and scored in Champions League finals, again, could be the difference for us in, in terms of winning that or, or getting over the line in the, the Europa League as well. And I think I think Mourinho will definitely, prior, when, if push came to shove, I think he would prioritise the Europa League over the Premier League because I think he wants that glory of, of lifting that European trophy for Tottenham. Yeah. And, and and since last season, like last season when we he was bigging up trying to qualify for the Europa League, he was saying, I think this is a trophy we could win. Um, and I remember right at the start as well when we were playing one of the qualifying games when he, he was in his Instagram phase, which interestingly, Mourinho's Instagram seems to have gone a bit, he seems to have gone a bit quiet on Instagram. I don't know whether his Instagram behavior correlates with how well we're doing in the league. But he had this thing about, oh, it, it was after it was after the 3-3 game against West Ham. Mm. And he put up a picture of him holding three Europa League footballs. And he was like, oh, three. Oh, it, was like pattern, it was like, he was like, oh, three, three balls. Is this for the, the three goals we conceded yesterday? Or is this for the the third Europa League title that I'm now going for with Tottenham? Because, you know, he'd won it with Porto, won it with Man United. And he was kind I of mean, like, right. I'm going number three. So I feel like he's very much got his mind fixed on winning this Europa League. And I feel like, yeah, he would prioritise that over... I mean, I'm sure he wants to finish top four as well. He doesn't want to have a low league finish, but I think definitely he's invested a lot reputationally in the Europa League. Oh, it's it's just just annoying, the kind of, you know, 
self-indulgence of a manager and I'm thinking like it's just like in all leadership they just say like it's all about the people and he's just making he's made it all about himself but that's what it is when you get with Jose it's all about himself and you know you've kind of acknowledged it that when you come out of this Jose era no matter what happens it, it's it's good there's going to be a fallout that's just how it works he's not going to gracefully shake hands with Levy and uh leave on the last day of the season with a guard of honor <laughs> unless uh I don't know somehow win the league win the league and, and uh Champions League double next year I mean it's it's um it's interesting but as you said it kind of a lot of it depends on now and the, these big games in March and kind of leads me to um the theme of 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 this week's trivia and statistical analysis with with uh, with us called Marching On. So, are you ready for a bit of trivia? I, I think so. Yeah, so basically I've gone into the archives and wanted to see kind of what is it about Spurs and the month of March, you know? What's your record like? Um, who usually scores? Um, kind of any, any multiple times in March? Um, so just to give you a bit of background, some, some interesting stats I found. Um, in the past two years, in March, two seasons, you've played eight games. You have won once, <laughs> lost five times, and drawn twice. Your two joint worst ever defeats in the league were 6-0 losses on the 2nd of March and 6th of March to Sheffield United and Arsenal, respectively. Funny. Yeah, very nice. <laughs> now, I'll give you. I, I'll let you have a little, a little go at this one. Um, I looked at all your scorers in the last three seasons in March. Who was your top scorer in those three seasons, and how many goals did they score? Uh, well, I'm going to say Harry Kane, although he was probably injured for. In March, uh, was the last... Super Bowl in March last time? <laughs> oh yeah, um, <laughs> uh, Harry Kane with uh, four goals. Okay, I mean you, you you're not there, but you're kind of there. It was actually Hummin Son with five goals. Uh-huh. He's been a legacy, and funnily enough, Oria came up a few times, which was which was interesting, or a couple of times. Um, Ali as well, and Vertonghen. Um, up much, much, much. Now, this one I found quite interesting. So, in the past 10 seasons, Arsenal and Spurs have faced each other four times in the league in March. How many times have Spurs won in those four games? Well, I know, and I was going to bring this up today because I was reading today that eight years ago today was when we beat you 2-1 at White Hart Lane with goals from Gareth Bale and Aaron Lennon. So, I know that's definitely one win for us. Mm-hmm. But I have a horrible feeling that maybe the first, the, the first of the five twos, was in March, or maybe that was late February. I did look at that one, but I'm afraid that was the only time you've won in the last ten years in March. There was actually a, so that was 12, season 2012-13 uh, in March. Um, in 13-14, we beat you one nil. Um, 15-16, it was two all, and 18-19, it was one all. Mm. So if we're going by patterns, that is very much a nil-nil for this season. Yeah. I'm almost certain of it. Um, final one on, on, on a kind of March surge. So I looked at the March record in the league 
for your last five Premier League managers. Can you tell me an order from the highest win percentage to the lowest win percentage in March for the last five Premier League managers? You might want to start with who the five managers are and then I think I hear some paper from Russell. And and so is this, and this is their career win percentage. So it's not necessarily with Tottenham, right? Just with Spurs. So Spurs' last five managers with Spurs in March in in the league. And who has the highest win percentage? Yeah. You can see I'm I'm really clutching. (laughs) Well, well, I know Tim Sherwood's overall league percentage, win percentage, as he liked to remind us, was second to none. I don't know whether his March win percentage was as impressive, but let's go. I reckon Sherwood and Pochettino are the top two. Um, I reckon Jose is actually probably quite low because I feel like last year in March we were pretty bad because that was kind of pre-lockdown when kind of Kane and Son, I think, had got injured and we were at a bit of a low ebb. So I'll put actually Mourinho at the bottom. I'll put Sherwood at the top. Pochettino, no, Pochettino top, Sherwood second. Um, then Redknapp third, ABB fourth. Okay, so hold on. Let's. So your ones are who's your highest percentage? Uh, Pochettino. Yeah, second highest. Uh, Sherwood. Yeah, third. Uh, Redknapp. Mm-hmm. And fourth. AVB. Yeah, Okay, so I'll, I'll go from the backwards. So you get three points to Gryffindor for Jose Mourinho. Far, he was fifth, and you said fifth. Zero percent. Last March, he lost three and won and drew one in the league. Um, it's very encouraging for this year for you. Yeah. Then you were right as well. Again, AVB. A 33% record because he only managed March in one season with one win and two losses. Uh-huh. Um, it's not looking great for March in, in general, to be honest. Um, you said for third place, you thought Redknapp. Actually, it was Sherwood, surprisingly. Uh-huh. So he had, for some reason, he had five games in March that season. There must have been some fixture congestion or, or some shuffling um, in the league. So... He was uh, the third, and that was a 40% win record, win record in March in the league. That's uh, two wins and three losses. Then, so it's between your two greatest ever managers in the past <laughs> 10 years, Redknapp and Pochettino. Um, pretty close, pretty close. But it, you were right. In, in Well, the second place was Redknapp with 43% win rate. So he won six, drew six. And lost two. Record, I'd say, in the scheme of things. And the winner, of course, is the legend, the man who is going to win uh, everything in PSG this season, is Pochettino. So he had nearly a 50% record, 47%, um, where he won two, four, six, eight out of a lot. (laughs) (laughs) He won eight, he drew two, and he lost four. So Basically, if you want to win in March, call Pochettino or maybe Redknapp will drive through with the window down. So that is marching on. Um, not very good news for Spurs, very good news for Arsenal and happy days. Happy yeah, March. 
I, I was looking forward to this month, but I'm not. <laughs> That's uh, <laughs> I want to go back to February. That's I, I, I should have prepared something on on Arsenal in March. Do we know well, what Arsenal's record you, is like? You know what? I, I saw somewhere, or maybe it's a commentary the other day. They said something like, "Well, Arsenal usually come into their own in March." And I'm thinking, but we always bottle it as well. So how can you bottle it, but then always have a surge at, at the end of the season? But but it does make sense how you know all that time Wenger those late years we used to always surge into the top four at the end. So maybe there is something. So maybe some research to be done. Maybe, uh, oh, I wish, I wish, I wish I could do some full-time research on, uh, Arsenal and Spurs stats. We've got to ch- check the budget. Can you, can you speak to HR? Yeah. I'll, I'll see what we can do. I'll we'll see what we can do. I'm, I'm happy to do a bit of freelance work for, for the pod. Think, look, thinking about back to all those managers though, obviously Tottenham, you know, who's in the dugout for Tottenham has become quite a big, source of conversation um, at the moment, whether Jose is going to keep his job, but it seems like um, there's been rumours linking Arteta to, to Barcelona as well. So, you know, re- regardless of whether or not you think Arteta might be sacked, maybe he'll be leaving of his own accord. I mean, do you believe those rumours? How, how would you feel about that? I mean, that would be a laugh, wouldn't it, if we pushed him out to go to Barcelona and then win the treble and become the new Pep. Um to be honest, I'd be happy for him to go. I'd, I'd fly him there, obviously with a mask and make sure I quarantine on either side. Uh, all these rules. Um, it's nonsense. But why Why would any manager want to go there right now in terms of it's an absolute legal and political mess? You know, Ronald Koeman has, has made a mess of it from day one, it sounds like, making an enemy of Lionel Messi, um, who will probably be at City next year. So he'll have nothing to work with, which is maybe why it works. Um, I have no doubt that he'll be probably going there one day. Um, I'd be surprised if it's now, but you never know. If he goes and wins the Europa League or gets us in the top four, you might say, job done, bye. Um, and that would be good for him after some of the criticism he's got, um, from me included, of course. Um, but, but to me, it's, I'm not losing sleep over it either way, to be honest. Um, I'm kind of resigned to having him as the manager until tw- the end of 2021. Um, and what happens before that will determine whether he's passed his calendar year. Um, and I guess towards Jose, because if it does go pear-shaped and you co- don't win that um, that League Cup tie and somehow loses Zagreb or the next round and it gets a bit tougher, you don't get top four. You shared an article with me and I've heard the whispers around Julian Nagelsmann. Now, it seems like he has a decent thing going on at Leipzig. I think he could do better and he wants better. I'm sure the Dortmund or Bayern jobs come up or maybe even the Barcelona job, maybe not quite for him. Atletico job, maybe. Chelsea job would have been a good one. Um, do, do, do you think you have a chance? Or do you think that's the sort of manager profile you would like to see in, in, in charge of Spurs post-Jose, if, if that's even a question? Um, I, I think we, I mean, we do seem to have a chance based like these, these stories don't come out of nowhere. And I think he's definitely open to a move to the Premier League, whether or not that's to, to Spurs or not is another question. I'm, I'm not kind of letting myself get too excited about it or carried away because I think he is someone who, you know, already is attracting interest from the likes of Real Madrid, for example, who I think contacted him, who what they wanted to speak to him a few years ago. And he kind of, said no because he thought it was too soon um so he's clearly someone who thinks very carefully about kind of his career plan and next steps and i think 
he was, if rumours are to be believed, contacted about the Chelsea job when they sacked Lampard, but he wasn't going to leave Leipzig mid-season. Uh, and he was mentioned but even before we um, hired Mourinho when Pochettino was sacked. So clearly the club do want him. Um, and if these stories to be believed, he's interested in the club. I think we'd actually be quite a good fit for him if he wanted to move to the Premier League. I think we're more kind of similar to a club like RB Leipzig and, and, and he'd have a bit more freedom maybe than he would have at kind of those other elite clubs. But I think, yeah, probably a Bayern Munich, a Real Madrid, he could probably already walk into one of those jobs. And I think potentially both of those jobs could be available in the summer. But he'd definitely be someone I'd be interested in. I mean, you look at what he's done at a very young age. He took Hoffenheim from the relegation zone, I think they were, when he came in to then into the Champions League. At RB Leipzig, he's kind of overtaken Borussia Dortmund to become Bayern Munich's main competitors for the Bundesliga. Obviously, he took him to the, the Champions League semi-final last season. Um, he's clearly, you know, thinks very, you know, he seems to be quite an innovative kind of tactical thinker, modern manager. Sounds um, like me. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, but he see, he seems more like a natural Pochettino successor, I suppose, than arguably Mourinho, Mourinho ever was. You know, we tend to... Um, go from one extreme to the other at Tottenham. We, you know, we went from Redknapp to Andre Villas-Boas to then Tim Sherwood to then Mauricio Pochettino to then Jose Mourinho. And each of those managers are kind of almost the polar opposites of each other. So it kind of would make sense then if we went to someone like Nagelsmann, who was younger, more up and coming, you know, from what I've read and, and seen in my limited viewing of RB Leipzig, seems to play kind of front foot attacking football and, you know, it could be that he's another kind of AVB and that he's kind of a hyped up young manager who then doesn't end up kind of fulfilling that potential. Or it could be that he's kind of the next um, the next big thing managerially. And, you know, with Mourinho, we very much got him, whether or not you think he's still got it or not, we've very much got him kind of at, towards the tail end of his career. Whereas with Nagelsmann, potentially, it could be the equivalent of like Chelsea hiring Mourinho in 2004, you know, when you get one of these managers who's kind of just starting to realise and, and come to the, the peak of their powers. But I'm sure if we were to hire him, then a lot of the doubters would say, well, he's only, he's a young guy, he's never managed outside of Germany, he hasn't won anything, et cetera, et cetera. But I think a lot of Spurs fans, myself included, would be very excited about appointing him to the point where even if Mourinho does win the Europa League, I feel like if, if Nagelsmann is genuinely interested in coming to Spurs, it, it feels like one of those opportunities will regret passing up if we persevere with Mourinho and then Nagelsmann ends up somewhere else and turns into the manager everyone thinks he's going to be. Mm. It could be one of those kind of sliding doors kind of moments where we think about what might have been. But on the other hand, some people might say, it, you know, it's a risk. But I think definitely, uh, you know, it's probably more likely that we'll end up with an Eddie Howe, Scott Parker, Ralph Hasenhutl than it is Nagelsmann. So that's what I'm preparing myself for already i'm already preparing my <laughs> arguments to justify to you why scott park or, or eddie howe is a good yeah. appointment um but yeah nagelsman i think would be would be interesting and, and certainly you know i know you used you used to say Mikel arteta was the best young manager in the world i don't know if you still think that but if nagelsman, I, I say it to wind people up <laughs> <laughs> if, if nagelsman were to come to tottenham it would be quite interesting to see him against arteta and kind of i suppose the battle of the young up-and-coming managers, you know, maybe the next generation coming through. Mm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, 
if the Arsenal job were available, is, is Nagelsmann someone you'd be interested in? I mean, what's your kind of outsider's view on that? Do you think it's even realistic for Spurs to be looking at him? Do you think we're crazy to even be thinking about getting rid of Mourinho? Mm, it feels like it all comes down to money at the end of the day. Um, obviously, it's whether we're, we're in that kind of level of, you know, if you're in European competition, it's slightly more appealing proposition to, to kind of take over and at a, at a good baseline and, and then to be able to attract the players you want and keep the players you need. Um, Spurs sack Mourinho for a lot of money. Think about what two years contract, maybe twenty million, maybe they'd have to pay him off. Arteta would be easy. I think he's only got one year after this, and we can just uh, bin him off. But you know, I always keep hearing we can't afford these big managers. But I'm thinking, how can you afford Pepe for seventy million over five years or whatever you pay, but not ten million for a top manager over five years? Um, when that's probably the better investment, but that's that's for a, a, another story and, and another, you know, someone inside the club who could, who could tell us that. But I guess I, it just feels it's like it's not the Arsenal way. Going from an absolute random to Wenger, from Wenger, Emery wasn't the obvious choice. Um, and Arteta certainly wasn't the obvious choice. Or it, it seems the rhetoric seemed to be that he was. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if we went for probably not another rookie manager, a bit like Spurs saying that those extremes. I don't think we'd go straight for someone who hadn't managed before or was early on, actually. I think they'd go for an experienced hand and a big, I, I, I think they'd probably go for a big name, but a, a has been. So maybe like a, a Gus Hiddink or a Philip Scolari. I, d- I don't know. Like, Benitez maybe. Yeah. All the ex Chelsea boys. Why not? Um, yeah, I, I still right. see Ancelotti in my mind, but we really, I mean, it just made sense that the big manager would go to Arsenal and that the old Everton player would try his first job at his smaller club. It just, the whole logic is flipped. And look at how he's got them playing, Ancelotti, and, and changed and change their whole mindset. Um, slightly gutting, to be honest, um, but it is what it is. So, yeah, I think... In terms of next stages, I think what we should do is is go for that big name. I don't know if they will go for that, and it probably will be a has-been. It might be a temporary. Uh, and it just depends whether it works with Arteta. And I think it works with Arteta if they see improvement in terms of getting to that top four, getting into that Europa League final, hopefully winning one of those or getting into the top four. And if we're not competing in that top, top quarter of the league, uh, by Christmas, bye bye. See who's available and, and and can take us forward. Yeah, I guess commenting on Spurs. That's my only thing. Can you afford that? I don't know. There's a lot of money going out, and there is a stadium to pay for. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think you're probably better off with, you know, trying to tie some of these world class players down that you have. Uh, not that many of them are world class, and uh, and trying to bring in some some more match winners rather than. I'm not sure whether it's all about the manager of Spurs. I mean, you know, you've you've shown a different variety of managers, but there's there's the losing mentality, um, and it might be the profile of players. You've had the same player base for quite a long time compared to a lot of clubs, I think. Mm. Um, but time will tell. Yeah, time will tell, and, and we're not far away from finding out because this time in two months we'll be we'll be talking to each other, and we'll pretty much know whether we think our managers are getting, are getting another shot at, uh, at trying to take us back to 
well, where Arsenal belong, I'm not sure about Spurs, but you, you're always overachieving in, in my eyes. Well, I mean, I look forward next season to um, Eddie Howe and Gus Hiddink uh, on the touchline <laughs> for the, the North London derby. Oh, God. If, uh, if I had to, to push you for a prediction for the, um, the match in a couple of weeks' time, at the Emirates, where Spurs' record over the years has been horrendous, what do you think the uh, the score will be? Which way do you see that going? Or is it so kind of dependent on match to match that yeah. it depends on what happens in, in the, the matches before it? I think the latter. I mean, I have no idea what, what sort of Arsenal's turning up in the next couple of weeks. I'd like to say if we were playing tomorrow, I think we'd win. I do think we'd win the way we're playing. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to go for preliminary, and I might change it later. I'm going to go for a for a one nil to the Arsenal. What, what's your What's your prediction at this stage? I think, uh, uh, funnily enough, after the things that you were saying about the uh, the record in March and and previous results of of North London derbies in March, I can see, particularly given it's in between the Europa League fixtures for both of us, I can see it being a kind of nil nil one one draw where neither side wants to lose but both are kind of keeping things in reserve for those Europa League games. And so it ends up being kind of a cagey, dull affair where we kind of accept the draw because it works for both sides and it means we can conserve energy for the se- you know our respective second legs. You know, I guess it depends. If one of us has clearly won the, the tie in the first leg, then maybe they, they'll go for it more. But I can see it being a draw. I mean, our record at the Emirates, I don't think we've won at the Emirates for... I mean, I think it was in 2010, wasn't it, under Redknapp, when we came from behind to win 3-2. I think that might be the the one and only time we won at the Emirates. Yeah, in the league. It's been a while. In the league. We won 2-0 in that, that um, Carabao Cup game a couple of seasons ago, uh, where Delhi like, chipped it over Czech into the bottom corner. Um, but in the Premier League, I think we've only won there once. So it'd be, it'd be interesting to see whether Mourinho, who has a good record against Arsenal over the years, can get the club over that kind of Emirates jinx, but yeah, I can see it. I can see it being a draw just because of where it is in the the calendar and the stats pattern. Obviously, the nil nil yeah. draw and Jose parking the bus. But I never trust a game against Jose. He's always able to just to just wind us up and uh, and find a sneaky winner. So I won't get my hopes up too much. And maybe we'll be doing it all again in the. Uh, if we get through to the quarterfinals, we could have a two-legged North London derby, which um, I can't tell whether that would be good for the podcast or bad for the podcast. It might it might be the best episode, but the last episode. If uh, Yeah, I, I think that's what I'm feeling. I don't <laughs> think I'd go through that. I think, uh, you know, at least uh, might as well get the immigration papers ready. <laughs> I mean, I guess I'd rather we meet in the quarterfinal than the final. I think that would be even more unbearable. Absolutely. But in a one-off game, more chance. That's true. It'll be live. It will be live.